0: Lord, uh, thank you for meeting us here this morning, and as we um, look a little further into James chapter 1, that you would open our understanding, Lord, and help us to make the application uh, to your word. Uh, we love you, and we thank you for being an active part of the service this morning, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we, um, we talked about this last week, you know, how could we get the most out of this study, and... Um, you know we we talked about examining our life right where the the theme for uh James is spiritual maturity um that's the goal and um for us to to do that effectively, we need to really understand and have an honest look at you know where we're at and how we're living um our life um you know last week um we talked about things that um that we, we might be doing that James is gonna talk to us this morning about that we shouldn't be doing. And right, isn't that the this isn't that the whole purpose of getting into the word of God? Right? It's instructional. It's instructional, right? Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the reason why, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped in every good work. So spiritual maturity is the goal in correcting our behavior, um, really, so it lines up with God's word and God's will. Um, Galatians talks about that as walking in the spirit. And Paul tells us in Galatians, if you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pretty basic, right? If you don't want to pursue those fleshly thoughts, then guess what? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Have the Word of God on your heart and on your mind. So it's maturity is the goal. And we talked about four imperatives last week. Count, count it all joy when you go through trials. And we can count it all joy. We know, we can, we, we, we know that God's doing something, so we could count it all joy. We know that um, God is working in us to produce patience, endurance, as we go through these trials, so we count it, that we know that God's behind it, so we, we let it take its course. We take our hands off the situation and let God do what he has to do. You know, our responsibility at that point is submitting to what God is working in uh, to our lives, and then if we're having... Um, uh, trouble figuring out the details and working through it. Then in chapter five, James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally and abradeth not. All right? So God's there to give us um, to give us the 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 wisdom, the discernment uh, that we need so important for us to understand it. And, you know, another thing, and I don't know if I mentioned this last week, so I'm going to just out of uh, making sure. If I did, I'm going to have to reiterate it because I don't remember if I did. And you can tell that I run the senior group, right, because I have a little trouble remembering. No, I wasn't quite sure if I had mentioned this or not, but something that's important, Um, you know, know, we need to... um, we, we, we can't confuse the character of God with the character of our fellow man. Okay, so when, you know, we, if you remember, we were looking, and we're looking at, the, at James through the eyes of, uh, James is looking at it through the eyes of his brother Jesus, right? We mentioned that they grew up together. And, you know, when James is telling us to, to go to God, if, you need, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. He's speaking from experience. He's speaking from experience, knowing um, the character of Jesus, right? I mean, think about the wisdom that Jesus had when, when he was 12 years old. He was in the temple, reasoning with the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were astonished at him. So, you know, James grew up with that, going to Jesus, and he's saying, go to him. You know, he doesn't have the character of a man. He's God, and there's no one like him, and That's what we need to understand. G. Campbell Morgan said in reference to uh, Micah 718, and let me read 718 first. It says, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. G. Campbell Morgan said, in reference to that, you and I see something every day of our lives that God cannot see, and that is we see our equals um, complaining, sometimes not so easy to get along with human beings, and when God looks around the heavens, who is a God like thee? There is none like Him, and you know what happens is we try to um, we look at forgiveness. Um, and we try to measure it on a, we measure it on a human scale. But what James is saying, don't do that. If you lack wisdom, go to God because he's, you know, he gives it liberally. You know, he abradeth not. He's not um, going to get on your case for coming back to him for the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, that's what keeps us from going to the Lord. And, you know, I'll just speak for myself. I can't speak for you, but there's times that, um, you know, in my uh, walk with the Lord, that, um, you know, I had to uh, make some return trips to the Lord with the same issue. Okay, I don't know if you guys could relate to that. But, you know, sometimes you get to the point where you think, oh, man, you know, and, and we know it's not true, but we do it anyway. You know, I don't know, God, I don't even know if I should come back to you with this. You know, you feel like, you know, how can I do that? You know, I just feel like I I just shouldn't, you know, I should have this under control by now. And, you know, we talk ourselves out of these things. James is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Because you're only ripping yourself off. He's saying, go to God, go to God. He's Don't buy into that. And, you know, so it's a process, and, you know, it's not an easy process. Any, uh, anybody have a problem-free life, no issues, nothing, you know, it, you know, we understand that. I was talking to Jim earlier before the service. You know, that's life. This is life. This process of counting it, um, knowing and letting it and asking God that whole process, that's life. And it, you know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't always fall into place the way we'd like. And so... I want to, before we move on, I I want to give you an idea of what it looks like. You know, what does this process look like in a day in the life of um, Paul and Silas? Um, You know, it's um, Acts 16, you you don't even have to turn there, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it just to um, make my point. But, you know, this process is lived out supernaturally in a natural way, if you understand that. You know, it just happens as we're going through life. And think about Paul and Silas. Paul is starting his second missionary journey. Um, he's on his way, he's at, in Lystra. Um, Timothy joins the group. Uh, they end up traveling uh, through Lystra. Uh, they want to go south. The Lord tells them no. They want to go north. The Lord tells them no. So they keep going on the same direction that they were headed in, and um, they end up getting near Troas. Um, you know, we all I think most of us remember or have read that Macedonian call where Paul has a vision and uh, the guy from Macedonia is calling them to Macedonia. So this is all, now think about it. This, these guys are just, this is a day in a life. This is, this is what it's like keeping in step with the Spirit. You know, and, and don't let the fact that it's the Apostle Paul and Silas kind of take away from it. Because you know what? They're no different than we are. Um, they, they made a decision to trust the Lord just like you did. They, they, you know, they understood what God had called them to do, and they were just being faithful and doing it. So there's this process, and we're living through it. So they end up going over to Macedonia. They end up in Philippi. Hopefully you're familiar with the story. Um, They meet Lydia. Um, You know they go down to the river because there was no synagogue there. So they meet Lydia down at the river, and this group of people praying. You know things start happening. You know they're starting to minister more, and this um, this um, slave girl with um, possessed with a a spirit of divination um, starts following around Paul and the group. And after a while, Paul. He just gets kind of bugged with it and rebukes her, casts the demon out of her, and uh, causes issues. So the issue is the people that this girl worked for now all of a sudden have just lost their cash flow. Right? All of a sudden she was very profitable to them while she was possessed, but now that she's um, been delivered, she's of no use, and they're kind of upset with Paul and Silas... So they beat Paul and Silas, drag them into, you know, the town square, beat them with rods. So, um, you know, sometimes we read past that, um, but here's a trial that they're going into, and it's not a trial like, oh, you know, I got, I can't pay the Argeny bill, or not, I'm not diminishing that, but this is a kind of a trial where they're beating you with rods because you are taking a stand for the gospel, right? And they're thrown into prison. So here's the trial. It's nothing that they knew was coming, but here it is. And it's interesting their response. They're counting it all joy. Why? Because they're in jail. They're in prison because of speaking the word of God, being faithful to the call God had on their life. So here they are. And it says they put them in stocks. It's not like you know the thing where your head's in the little thing and your arms are. No, what they do is they spread your legs out as far as they can and then they stretch them out a little bit more till it's excruciating and then they, you know, they put them in stocks that way. So it's um it's like a torture. So they're counting it all joy. When they fall into various trials, this trial, here they are. This is what it looks like. It's real. They're in, they're in the depth of this jail in stocks. So Paul looks over at Silas, and he says, Hey, Silas, what was that, what was that last worship song that we did at church the other night? Silas is like, what are you, you, know, what are you talking about? They start worshiping the Lord. You know, here they are, counting it all joy. You know, they're just letting it take its course. Hey, okay, hey, what are we going to do? Paul says, hey, let's praise the Lord. So they're praying and praising the Lord. And, uh, you know, you can picture God up in heaven just, you know, he's kind of getting into it, you know, tapping his foot. You know, and he's tapping his foot so much that it opens the prison doors. The chains fall off of everybody. And, you know, the jailer is like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is it. This is the end for me. But what, Paul Paul yells to them, hey, don't worry about it. We're all still here. We're all still here. And the jailer and his whole family get saved. This is the process, right? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. They decided just to worship. the, the, The jailer, the Philippian jailer, gets saved and his whole family. And to close off the whole kind of picture... Now the magistrates find out that, they're Roman, that Paul's a Roman citizen, they just want to kind of slide him out the back door of the jail um, without any um, fanfare or anything, but Paul says, no way, no way, have them come and let us out themselves, and the whole reason behind that is because they were wrongly accused, of, they didn't do anything wrong, the People in Philippi looked at them as being arrested as doing something wrong for the faith. And by the magistrates coming and letting them out, was sending a message to the church that they were vindicated. So that's just all, just a, a, you know, I, I don't want to minimize it, but a day in the life of a believer, a group of believers that we're just trusting God and going through this process that James is talking about. And guys, this is, that's, that's, that's life, right? I mean, we haven't been thrown you know, in prison and put in stocks, but uh, the trials we have are real. Uh, they hurt. They're challenging. Sometimes they feel like they're never going to go away or we're never going to get the victory, but we are. But we are, and Paul is sharing this process with us. So it's so important that we understand that. Now, the flip side of that. Um, looks, you know, what does it look like when we abandon um, God's process? Uh, you know, the Bible is full of both good examples, bad examples, right? But you know, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, right? They they short-circuited God's plan, and it caused some issues, right? They took their eye off of what God was doing, and you know, just doubted it. And they took some, you know, took action, you know, something that they thought was a good idea, and it didn't work out. So that's what we're going to pick up in verse 6 of James chapter 1. And in verse 5 it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, and without reproach it will be given to him. So starting in verse 6, James is going to tell us how to ask. Okay, so it says, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For not let that man, or woman, suppose that he or she will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So let's stop there for a bit and uh, talk about doubt a little bit. Now we live... Uh, in a time, an era where doubt and mistrust are at a high level, right? There's a lot of lot of a lot of people doubting um, you know, the CDC, a lot of people um, not having as much trust in the government, you know, stuff like that. There, you know, it's just a a crazy time that we live in. And you know, so who can you trust? Who can you rely on? And of course, we know that we can rely on the word of God, that we can, we can rely on the Bible to give us, the, you know, the, the tools, the information, the wisdom, you know, what we need um, to live our lives out, right? Um, Romans 3, verses 3 through 4, Paul tells us, For what if some did not believe, would their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect, Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. And, you know, there are um, there's people in the world, there's, you know, there's a lot of good Bible teachers out there. We have the Word of God. There's a lot of good information out there, a lot of good stuff, um, a lot of people out there that you can trust. But, you know what? It, it just. It, to simplify it, you know, you, you, you we need to put all of our confidence and our trust in the Word of God and our relationship with the Lord, and uh, the wisdom of man is just uh, it's not going to take you to a good place. All right, and I'm kind of I'm not I'm a little hesitant to say this, but you know I'll, I'll say it anyway. Here's the here's the choice that you have. Um, difficulty in determining um, a man and a woman or just knowing that God said in Genesis that he created man and woman in his image, right? So if somebody were to tell you that that's not true and that, that, you know, you could be whatever you want, we wouldn't understand that that's really not the truth, right? So um, the Bible gives us the truth on all of that. So the the choice, and and you know what, those, stuff like that is not a political thing. You know, that's spiritual. You know, know, they're messing with, you know, the way God, you know, God's creation, the way God ordained things to be. So, you know, when you have a conversation about stuff like that, don't let, you're not being political, you're being biblical. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what we're here for. You know, we're here to be God's voice. You know, we're here to stand in his stead, to speak the word of God with, in truth and with conviction. And we're going to talk about that. Conviction. Okay, so how do you ask? You ask in faith. So to divide, define faith, and, you know, I, I've shared this a bunch of times when I've had opportunities uh, to fill in for Pastor Rob. But faith is believing the word of God and acting on it no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. So that's how I interpret faith, for me. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So James is telling us to go to God in faith to go to God in faith without doubting without without doubting without doubting okay and in my mind when i think about faith in that in that way i think of conviction an assurance a confidence a sureness in god's word and you know i was thinking back to you know doing a little church little kind of modern church history but back in the 60s the jesus movement was one of um, one of, or maybe even the last of one of the most powerful moves of God in the United States back in the 60s. And I believe that it was conviction, their faith in the word of God, and in God was, was a key element. As people were being saved, they were reading the word of God to see how to live. Well, that's a novel idea, huh? Read the word of God to see how to live, how to act. Um, Husbands reading, they were reading to see what God expected of them as husbands. Wives were, you know, wanting to know what what God's perspective was for them to be a woman, to be a mother, to be a wife. Um, You know, people were reading the Word of God, looking to learn what God's expectations were for them. But it's it's awesome, isn't it, to think that we have a book where we can open it up. And we, could, we can learn and understand and grasp um, what God expects of us as a man, as a woman, as a father, as a mother. You know, I mean, in any walk of life, when you open the word of God up, you know, God is going to speak to you. And it's like I said, when we started out, isn't it amazing to know that tomorrow morning or later today, you can sit down and open up the word of God and have God minister to you, speak to you. Speak into your life, maybe give you wisdom for something you're going through it's amazing it's amazing. and as James is writing his book to Christians that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, um, you know he's writing to um, a church that is living in this environment, a church that's hungry for the truth, wanting to know what god's plan is, what god's will is for them, and then committing. Um, their life committing to live it out in their lives, and guys, as the church, we need that today. The church needs to step up and um, really just live uh, out their faith in a, just a confident way, convicted and convinced that the word of God is the ultimate standard of truth, and to stand behind that and you know a lot of, I know we look at the the state of Um, you know, mankind today, humanity today, uh, and we wonder how it got that way, and I mean, there's a lot, a lot of reasons why, but I think in part is because the church got complacent. We got complacent. We took a back seat to um, psychology, to humanism, you know, and, um, you know, that's got to change. It's got to change, and we have all, we have everything that we need to make that change, you know. And like the early church, and like the church, the, the hippies back in the sixties when they were getting saved, um, you know, they just believed the word of God and acted on it. Hey, this is what it says. No matter what the situation was that they were in, they were going to act on it. And you know what? God promised us a good result, and God is faithful. You know, Calvary Chapel was birthed out of that movement. You know, there's there's a lot of good to say. Um, A lot of good things happen when we keep in step with the Spirit. So that's what James is telling us. Go to God in faith. Don't doubt doubt God's willingness to come alongside you in your trial. Don't don't think he's not going to do it because he's going to. I mean, you can depend on it. God is faithful. If you're going through something and you think he's not there, he is. You might not see his hand in the situation yet, but he is. And So James says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. So doubting. (laughs) Doubt. Anybody here not doubt from time to time? You know, wonder. Of course, you know, we all doubt. Okay, but, you know, starting to look at what doubting means, it's, wow it's it's pretty interesting doubting to be doubting means to be divided in one's mind or to debate okay the term with no doubting doesn't it doesn't describe a momentary doubt but it's a divided allegiance and uncertainty it's an ongoing process It's just doubt. You get hung up in it, and it's ongoing. It isn't like, oh, you doubt something for a second, and it's gone. You don't want to get into that process, right? James is talking about a process of counting and knowing and letting and asking, not about, you know, doubting God's ability. Because you know what? That's a process, too. But that doesn't take us to a good place, right? That takes us further from the Lord, the process that James talked about in, chapter, in verses 1 through 5 brings us closer to the Lord. You know, doubting. You know, and I know we've probably, a million people use this analogy, but, um, you know, it's just funny. You know, you have the little, the little see the, the cartoon with the little devil in the pitchfork on the shoulder, and then the angel over here on the shoulder, and one is telling you to do this. The other is telling you to do that. And you know, but that's what it is. In, in a spiritual sense, it's that it's that ongoing doubt. It's it's you know, going between two opinions. And it's spiritually, it's just not healthy. You know, James is telling us that we must approach God in faith with no doubting. That's not very complicated. We must believe. Um, we must believe not only in the existence of God, but also in His loving care for us. This includes relying on God and expecting that God will hear and answer when we pray. He hears. It, you know, we just need to sort out, um, you know, some of the particulars as we're praying, because obviously our will has to line up with God's will, even when we pray. You know, we got to put away our critical attitude uh, when we come to him. And uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, we just want to debate with God. But ultimately, um, ultimately, he's going to win, right? (laughs) We must have confidence that God is going to align our desire um, with his purposes. And what that looks like is you don't have to turn there is Acts chapter nine, verses ten through nineteen, and a guy named Ananias, who um, you know God had um, called him to go minister to Saul. If you guys remember that in Acts chapter nine, Saul just gets saved. He's uh, in Damascus, and um, the Lord tells Ananias, "Hey Ananias, I want you to um, to go minister." To, um, to Saul. You know, I, I have plans for him. You know, he's going to do a lot of good things, a lot of great things for um, the kingdom. So I want you to go pray for him. Then the first thing, what does he do? But Lord, wait a minute. I don't, I don't think you understand the situation. Saul, in case you forgot, he's the guy that is taking everybody back to Jerusalem in chains. You know, he's having people put to death for their faith, he's persecuting the church. Do you, you know, are you sure this is what you want me to do? And, you know, and, and, you know, God is, you just see God's heart in this. You know, when, you know, James is saying, you know, go to God and ask for wisdom because he gives it liberally. When it says he abradeth not, you know, he doesn't rebuke you for coming back or asking questions, you know, like what's going on. And here's Ananias saying, but Lord, don't you, I don't, do you understand what's going on with this man? And what does God do? Ananias, I know know what's going on. I know what's going on. He's going to be used mightily in the kingdom. You know, just um, go pray for him. And, you know, he ends up going and, you know, the rest of the story, he prays for him. Saul receives the Holy Spirit and the rest is church history, right? But, you know, God had to align Ananias' desires up with his. He went, you know, Ananias goes to him God comforts him, gives him the wisdom, the information, the comfort, the exhortation he needs. And he's on his way uh, to fulfill what God's plan is for Paul and for himself. So James is telling us, don't doubt. The way to to, to go to God is to to ask in faith without doubting, right? And he goes on to say, he gives us the why. uh, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And, you know, the first thing that came to my mind, I was thinking of the times that we've been, um, I've been in the Gulf of Mexico. And, you know, it's, it's just, if you, I just standing there and watched the waves. And some waves are smaller, some waves are bigger, some waves seem to have a little bit more oomph behind them. You know, and if you're floating around in there in the, you know, in the water, kind of like widen, riding the waves back in a little bit, you know you end up a little further down you know the beach than you started. you know all of these things between the um how the the ocean, the waves, and everything moves um it's um it it you can see the disconnect there the um even though it's it all looks like it's happening the way it should, which it is. But, you know, there's uncertainty there. You know, and the Christian that lives and um, is driven by the sea, who doubts, you know, he's like a cork that's, uh, you know, in the Gulf of Mexico on the waves, up one minute, down the next minute, back and forth, just tossed back and forth. And this kind of experience is an evidence of immaturity in a believer and James is bringing this up because, right, the goal is maturity. That's where God is trying to get us to mature us. So, divided loyalty uh, between the Word and the world leaves a person as unsettled as the restless waves. And Paul expounds on this, on what James is saying uh, in his remarks in Ephesians 4. And I'll just read verses, uh, I'll read verses 14 and 15. Well, you know what, let's, I'm going to start in verse 11. And Paul says, and he himself, you know, obviously God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ. And then he goes on to say that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, uh, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So Paul is telling us that we should. No longer be children. And remember, the goal is maturity. And think about it. Children are gullible, they're vulnerable, and they're easily victimized when you think about it. The church needs to work diligently at moving babes in Christ into maturity. And, of course, that's a process as well, right, of growing in our relationship with the Lord. And this is a part of it. Tuesday night's a part of it. I mean, Tuesday morning, the senior group, you know, anything going on at the church where there is, um, you know, a Bible study, that's all a part of growing um, in our relationship with the Lord, going from immaturity to maturity, growing in Christ. Peter highlights that same thought in 1 Peter 2, in verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So that desire doesn't mean merely to want something, but rather to long for something with all one's being. To want to know Jesus Christ and... You know, in His fullness, to you know that that's we have to pursue that um, with um, an eager expectation, an excitement, knowing that we're meeting and we're meeting with the Lord, and that we're growing in Him, we're becoming more like Him. That you may grow. The purpose of the studying, the purpose of studying God's truth is not only to learn more, but to be mature in the faith right? We're not here to gain um, head knowledge. Uh, We're here to have the Lord change our hearts, change our character, um, who we are. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. So the solution, if you want to stop being tossed about then rely on God to show you what is best for you ask him for wisdom and trust that he will give it to you then your decisions will be more sure um, you're going to feel like you're more on solid ground you know as you make decisions as you seek the lord so the last point that Paul is going I mean that James is going to make is in verses 7 and 8 it says what? Let me read verse 7 and 8. Let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double minded, unstable in all his ways. So, we're to do this without doubting. Because when we doubt, we're not going to, you know, we can't suppose or think that we're going to receive anything from the Lord. So, one thing that I, I wanted to kind of give you a, a snapshot of what does without doubting look like? You know, we know what doubting looks like. We're, we've done it before, right? But here's what without doubting looks like. This is what the point that James is trying to get along and get, get over you know, to us. And that's in Acts, again, Acts chapter 10, and this is Peter being at uh, Simon's house, the tanner. Uh, he's up on the roof. He had just had this vision that God is, God is preparing him to go to Cornelius and the Italian band. You know, those were the first Gentiles were the Italians to get saved, right? Oh, all right. Never mind. I don't have enough time for a joke, right? All right. So, but this is what this is what, without doubting looks like. Peter has this vision. The Spirit tells him that there's going to be three men are going to be coming over to see you, right? Seeking you. Um, when they get here, arise, therefore, and go down with them, doubting nothing. And the reason why he isn't going to doubt nothing is because he knows that God sent them. So Peter, the guys come, and Peter goes down with them. But that's what, what without doubting looks like. Peter's on the roof. He has a vision, right? Here, he hears from God. And God tells him this is what's going to happen. So he tells them that go down and go with them doubting nothing. When God makes it clear what he wants us to do, you know, we don't need to doubt that. We don't need to doubt that. And if we do, okay, and if we do, like Ananias did, God is going to give us more information to help eliminate that doubt. And it's just amazing to see the freedom here, even, um, you know, with, with Peter. You know, God has spoken to him through a vision. These guys are coming. Go with them. Don't, I, I don't want you to doubt anything. Everything is going to be okay. And he goes, right? I, you know, how, would, how could he not go, right? But think about that. If God is speaking to you and assuring you to go without doubting that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, how could we not go? How could we not follow through with that? So they follow through with it, and that's what it looks like. So if you you want to get an idea of what without doubting looks like, go to Acts chapter 10. If you're doubting and look at it and look at the situation, God is in control. God is giving... um, you know the instructions to Peter, and he's just going to go without doubting. So it's it's a it's so freeing to know that our relationship could be that way with the Lord. In verses uh, seven and eight, well, the last part of of uh, th- those two verses. In verse eight, it says that um, this man is double-minded and unstable in all his ways, and we're gonna we're gonna. Probably get through this and then we'll close because we're running out of time. But double minded literally means two souls. If one part of a person is set on God and the other is set on the world, there will be constant conflict within. You know, and we talked about doubting means to be divided in one's mind, so you can see where the unstable in all his ways comes from when you're that confused of not knowing what's right and what's wrong, um, what you should do or what you shouldn't do, going back and forth um, really um, could be, I mean, it's debilitating as far as your relationship with the Lord. Jesus made mention of this in Matthew 6:24. He said, no, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one or to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if we doubt his goodness and his power, um, you know we're not going to have the stability that we need in times of trouble. One minute we might be resting calmly in the promises of God; the next we feel like God has forgotten, you know, has forgotten, that you know, what we're even talking about, or. He's even forgotten that we exist. You know, we're tossed back and forth. And you know what? God is not honored by the kind of faith that alternates between optimism and pessimism. He doesn't give divine insight to such vacillating, unstable saints. And guys, instability and immaturity go together. You know, so keep that in mind as you're working through uh, whatever trial that you're going through. But to to understand and to know that we don't we don't have to doubt. To understand that if we do doubt, that it's going to bring instability, you know, like an unstableness in our walk with the Lord. You know, it's going to shake our foundation. So we we got a choice. There's two processes. We can stick with the process that James. Uh, has given us in verses 1 through 5, you know, that we can look to him, that we can go to him, we can, we can understand it and have the perspective of what's going on in our lives. God is allowing it. Um, we're not going to get to it today, but we're going to, you know, James is going to eventually make the contrast between a trial and a temptation but you know the trials that we go through, God has a process for us to to work through them. And James made it very clear. But then on the on, on the flip side of that, you know James is gonna is telling us that um, if you're going to doubt God's ability, if you're going to um, really challenge God in the things that He's speaking to you about, the direction He's trying to bring you in, what He's trying to teach you. Um, that you can't suppose, you can't assume uh, that you're going to receive anything from the Lord going in that direction. And I just want to kind of balance it out as we close. And I think we, um, you know, we we understand this, but I, I just want to say it. You know, just because we're going through a trial and we're um, kind of floundering in it, we're having a rough time with it, having difficulty with it, um, you know, it isn't, it, it, it isn't like God turns his back on us. We need to understand that. Try, you know, We can read about a trial and we can talk about it up here and it almost sounds like you know, that they go by quickly or, you know, well, I'm in this trial, I'm going to just count it all joy. Be, you know, you know, sometimes trials last, right? And there's times when we could get to the place where we think that, you know, we could start questioning even our relationship with the Lord. I want to encourage you, don't do that. You know, don't even start thinking that way because that's what plant, you know, that's what that seed of doubt gets planted. You know, and, and James is instructing us and he's just giving us the realities of, of life and a perspective that we need. We're going to go through trials. Life is going to, there's going to be difficulties. He's given us insight on how to deal with those in a way um, that we're going to see God's hand in it and we're going to grow. But you know he's he's warning us at the same time. Look, Christian, he's talking to Christians. If if you know you're when you're gonna come to, <clears throat> you're gonna come to God and ask in faith, um, you have to you have to have the faith that He's gonna hear and He's gonna follow through. You know, and He warns us against the doubting. Don't don't allow that doubt to start to overwhelm you. Don't let doubt gain ground on your faith. And that's what he's saying. You got to come to him in faith and realize that whatever is going to happen, whatever is going to play out, you know, God is going to be behind it. God is using it. And I've, you know, I have a lot of friends, people that I've known over the years that have gotten sidetracked because they gave up. You know, they weren't like Ananias. God encouraged them to do something. And because they couldn't understand it, or they couldn't, didn't just flat out didn't want to do it, or didn't trust God. Um, you know, they ended up in a bad place. You know, guys, we have to stay the course. And, you know, when things do get difficult, because they do, when they do get difficult, we need to keep going to God. You know, when I had mentioned doubting becomes a habit, well, you know, going to God in faith and trusting God becomes a way of life. And, you know, the, the choice is simple. You know, which one do you want? Which one do you want? And it's going to take some effort to get it, right? Then when I say take some effort, I'm not saying work for your salvation. When I'm saying you're saved, it's going to take some effort in your relationship with the Lord. You know, it's, you know you're going to have to um, really push yourself at times to follow the Lord. And I know last week I said, you know, that whole Jim phrase, no pain, no gain. Sometimes there's, there's gain and pain in our relationship with the Lord. But we just got to stay the course. And James is saying, hey, look. And this is the thought I want to leave you with, this chapter 5. I mean, verse 5. Hey, look, if... The, if you if you need any clarity in what's going on in your life if you if wisdom whatever you know god is going to be there to give it to you god is going to speak into the situation that you're in now when he does it how he does it you know he's sovereign he's going to do it when it's the best time the right time for us and it's getting to that place of trusting god in those times hanging in there, persevering, you know, and we had talked about that, perseverance, un- bearing up under the pressure. So important for us to, to understand that. So let's, um, let's pray. And I just want to offer it out there. If there's anybody that that needs prayer for anything in particular, you know, maybe you're going through a trial and you just want somebody to agree with you. Um, Al's back there. I'll be up here. Um, i I don't know who else is around, but um, the person sitting next to you, you came with, pray, and just bring it before the Lord uh, before you leave, all right, and well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for making sense out of this message to, um, to my brothers and sisters, Lord, and that, um, God, we, um, we are just so thankful that um, no matter what we're experiencing in, in life, that you are, uh, you're there we don't have to, we don't have to experience life on our own or in our own strength, but uh, we can totally uh, depend on you and just allow you through the power of your Holy Spirit to work um, in and through us, God. So we thank you for that, and Lord, we pray for uh, the rest of our day that we would see uh, your hand in it as we go through the day, and Lord, um, man, that's just so exciting, God, to know um, not only that you're going to be a part of our day, but Lord, it's your desire to be an a part of our lives uh, day in and day out. Uh, Lord, your, your heart is to be right there in the midst of it with us. So we thank you for that. And God, I pray we would yield um, to what you're doing in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.